This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hansen. Thurley Ruxton by Philip Viral Miguels. Chapter 11 Confirming a Rumor. All evening the telephone was jangling, and the wire was warm with invitations, declarations of friendship, and solicitude for the nerves of the royal little rider who had been all but thrown in the park. Throughout all swelldom the silvery alarms were tinkling, some as bald warnings to beware of sham, some in sheer trepidation of spirit, and some as mere relief to beings hopelessly burdened with ennui. On the following day, which was Alice's afternoon at home, the stir and the test began. Fifty or more of Gotham's elect, including delegates from the sharpest, the wealthiest, and the most inquisitive cliques, remembered that attentions had long been due to Alice Van Kirk, and arrived to meet their obligations. Stiverant came at four only to find himself helplessly isolated from the princess by others more prompt than himself. He had never thought her so regally dainty, so altogether irresistible and exquisite, as he found her to-day when she gave him her hand, the moment when Alice formally made them acquainted. She was introduced merely as Miss Thoroughly, and not by the slightest sign or hint was the claim to royalty admitted. No vision more girlishly lovely, sincere, or disarming than she presented, there by Alice's side, had ever been known in all Manhattan. To those of the keenly astute frame of mind who addressed her in French or German, she replied in their chosen tongue with piquancy and ease that almost invariably shamed their somewhat puny and unpractised accomplishments in continental languages. The very evasions and faint denials by which Alice parried the bolder assertions that Thurley had been instantly recognized and might as well be confessed only served to strengthen the conviction as to Thurley's royal origin. It was all adroit, tactful, insidious, and it met its just reward. Those who had come surcharged with doubt and ready to prick the bubble of Alice Van Kirk's latest triumph were the first to be self-deluded, and hence the wonder grew. A meagre five minutes was the utmost that Stiverant and Thurley could manage to detach, in which to be even approximately alone. He was simply nearer to her side than any one else as she sat in the corner of the room. He moved a trifle closer and lowered his voice. "'Did you think I should find you yesterday, Miss Thurley, when you gave me permission to try?' She met the ardor of his gaze with candid interest, noting the change that absence of pain had wrought upon his face, and mentally approving his finely chiseled features, the healthy glow of his color, and the steady level of his warm gray eyes. She laughed. <laughs> Did I appear to stop and think at all? 
"'You haven't spoken of your wrist. I hope it's mending rapidly.' His eyes were shining. "'I still prefer someone else to drive the car. Will you sometime permit me to thank you properly?' Oh, would it be so improper now he met her merry glance undaunted it would be a sacrilege in the presence of all these persons of course you're aware they are simply a lot of self-appointed appraisers and i'm sure you know i am not i must be very knowing said thoroughly to know so much so soon it's the third time we've met he answered there is always a charm in threes her eyes showed mock dejection oh isn't that too bad you may wish never to disturb the charm again he was equal to the quip it can never be disturbed once established like this in fact as soon as you took the wheel that day in the park it was complete i feared it she answered complete finished labelled and laid away to be forgotten he was nonplussed only for a moment i can see you were never a boy when the jam was labelled and laid away to be remembered he glanced up quickly where one of the maids had admitted new callers at the door good heavens he added beholding two exceedingly ample women surging in majestically moral dreadnoughts i wanted to ask but alice was coming thoroughly rose not only to meet the imposing visitors but also a man in their company for a moment she wondered almost in fear where the eyes of this man might have confronted hers before then she knew him the rider encountered in the park he who had raced to halt her horse and helped her uh, sudden dismounting his name was kelsey woods uh, shamelessly glad to see you again he informed her with pleasant boldness of candour sorry not to find you riding out to-day <laughs> then his eyes came to rest for a second on the face of robley stivrant heading for alice van kirk their glances met and exchanged some manner of challenge that their formal bows made little attempt to disguise Three minutes later, when Lady Honor Calthrop and young Count Jose Vicencio e Faishi, the fiery Spanish-Italian duelist, and Romeo of numerous European capitalists, made their appearance, Alice's cup was filled with the violence almost alarming. "'Ah, oh, mademoiselle,' said the Count, almost instantly on his presentation to Thurley, his voice reminiscent of Vesuvian flames and lavas. "'In St. Petersburg I die three times to have this honour, mine at last.' And he kissed her hand with Italian fervour and Spanish grace, cracking his heels together energetically as he bent his supple waist at last my soul is in flight above the clouds but you do not recall you have seen me no i i am afraid i do not said thoroughly unprepared for such demonstration i am sure i should remember valgame dios he answered from his altitude above the clouds you have only changed to become more lovely 
then he met the cold american stare of styvern's blue-gray and woods's light greenish eyes and little comprehended that the course even of a romeo's ardor may not be so smooth as milk thoroughly escaped with a surge of release to the placid stolidity of lady honor calthrop's presence and began to wonder how the game on which she had entered would end it had only begun the afternoon was a calm unexcited prologue merely of the complications rivalries shocks and surprises already mustered out beyond to procession into and through her life newly launched in its royal career conventionality cleared the house within the ensuing hour but nothing could clear the pathway reaching out ahead where its windings and grades its rocky slopes and grassy reaches were alike obscured in the veils of things that were yet to be too remote to cast a shadow or reflect the glow of the sun in the next few days full confirmation of the fact that alice van kirk's protege was none other than the royal princess thervinia was vouchsafed from every direction despite the van kirk evasions and thurley's avoidance of the subject besiegers stormed the fifth avenue mansion in droves friends admirers invitations multiplied appallingly and then the horse-show opened the season of the goddesses of wealth End of chapter 11